Our gospel today comes from Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away. She keeps shouting for us. Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. Jesus answered, It is not fair to take the child, children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done to you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The word of the Lord. Amen. Grace and peace to you all this morning. Just trying to keep my head in the photo. So when I was growing up, my friends used to play this game called Mercy. It was a pretty simple game. You would find a partner and you would have them hold out their hands, palms down. And then you would muster all of your strength and your most fierce face and you would slap their hands or your music stand only one time. And then you had to stick out your hands so that they could do the same. And this cycle would repeat itself until one of you called mercy. This plea saying you could not take the pain anymore and you would take a defeat over one more hand slap. Now there was a little bit of strategy to this game, such as on maybe the fourth round, looking especially fierce and then pausing right before the person's hands, giving them an opportunity to say mercy for fear that that slap would really hurt. But for the most part, this game was just testing someone's tolerance and pride and how connected those might be. I have no idea where we learned this game, but I don't doubt that it is played across the United States, possibly even the world. You see, our cultural obsession with, obsession with self-sufficiency and toughness shines in this game. Our unnamed Canaanite woman in the story this morning comes to Jesus with that same plea, Lord, mercy. Her metaphorical hands are red, bloody, and shaking. But this isn't a game for her. She has taken more slaps from life than she can bear, and she goes to this stranger asking for mercy. Notice she didn't ask him for help or for money or specifically to even heal her daughter. She simply asked Jesus for mercy. She had heard great things about this man with the power to heal the sick, and in an act of desperation and trust, she begs him to stop the barrage of life's slaps that have been hurting her repeatedly. She cries, have mercy on me, O oh God. 
Find compassion for me. Please stop the active harm that has been controlling my life. But Jesus, he looks at her red and shaky hands and he walks away. He doesn't do anything. She doesn't accept this. She keeps pleading with him, begging for mercy, because to allow him to walk away from her is to accept that her life will continue to be a fear of the next slap. And that's the thing about the game of mercy. The person who cannot take it anymore has no power to stop the slaps. It is the one who is about to rain down pain that must extend compassion. In fact, I remember a game or two of mercy growing up where someone cried out mercy and there was a final blow that maybe should have never happened because the person making the slap didn't hear the others cry for mercy, cry for mercy. And then the story gets worse. You see, the disciples, they beg Jesus to make this woman go away. She is annoying them. They say, I don't know, get rid of her somehow, Lord. And Jesus tells her that he is not there for her. He declares that he came to save the lost Jews, and she, a non-Jew, is not his concern. Yeah, Jesus looked at someone who life was beating down and said he was not sent to care for her. And now you know why we don't tell you this story in Sunday school. It's not very Jesus-like, if you will. And I think today it's especially important that we sort of pause in this moment because I resonate with it. Not that it's about what I resonate. I think our world resonates with it today. It's become something I can hardly recognize. You see, I can't help but feel like the Canaanite woman looking at all the injustice we are facing today. I feel as if I'm following Jesus, begging for mercy, aware that I'm being annoying, but unable to stop because something needs to change. And Jesus has looked at those suffering in our world and said, it didn't come for you today. We need God's mercy today more than ever, God to move through our world. But recently it's felt as if God has said, I came for the healthy and those with health care, maybe for the billionaires and big tech, those who are sort of winning during this pandemic, and those who are lonely, those who are trying to parent while working for home, those who are unable to feed their families or at risk of eviction, those who just want to sing in church again, are left with shaky red hands, nervous about the next potential slap. We know that this goes against who Jesus is, how God operates in our world. In our text from Isaiah this morning, we heard that God is here for every single human being. And while I pride myself on seeing both sides of this story, I don't feel like extending compassion to Jesus this morning. I don't feel like speculating about why he may have said what he said, right? Of course, we've all been on a mission and sort of overlooked something that might have caused harm. Maybe Jesus was just trying to get to a meeting. Or maybe he was really hangry, and if he had had a snack, he would have responded to the Canaanite woman better. Possibly the author of Matthew was just annoyed with Jesus when he wrote this story, so he left out the good parts. I don't know. But the reality is that we're not going to know, and the important part of this story is that Jesus walking away is not 
the end. You see, biblical scholar S.J. McCarran titles this story, Faith Comes from Needing It, focusing on the Canaanite woman's determination, writing about how she needed intervention from God so badly that she did not and could not stop pursuing Jesus. That the great irony of this story is that this pagan woman teaches Jesus about the power of faith because she needs it more. You see, the Canaanite woman has come to recognize her own despair. She, she has admitted that she cannot save herself, something I think we've all become more aware of during our COVID days. In accepting her need for others and for God, the Canaanite woman realizes that she has to pursue God at all cost. And in doing so, she's created space for God to work in her life. Despair has clarified what is important and who holds power. And just like in the game of mercy, it is not the one in despair who has the power, but the one who can act in the person's favor. In her great need and from a place of powerlessness, the Canaanite woman reminds Jesus that even gods or even dogs get to eat table scraps. She shows him she isn't picky about what this mercy looks like. She will take anything. And so Jesus gives her everything. Ultimately, the answer to this woman's cry for mercy is yes, faithful child. I will provide you the relief you seek. I will show you compassion. This story in the end is a story of persistence in the face of difficulty. A story of faith moving a woman to risk a lot because she knows there's more out there for her. Because she cannot accept her daughter's death as a part of God's plan and so nobody will tell her no, not even God in her pursuit of love and justice. For a couple summers in college, I worked on the south side of Chicago leading service and learning trips for youth. My job involved a lot of things during those summers. I would try to energize youth about doing service jobs they maybe didn't want to do and teach them how it was biblical. I would teach Bible stories to these youth, I would serve alongside them, but perhaps the most important part of my job was maintaining relationships with those we were serving. Really those who did the work year round and just offered us their homes as a learning tool for the summer. And so one of the uh, first people I met that first summer's name is Charlene. Most people call her Char. When I was in a particularly good mood, I would sing out Char Char when I saw her. And I met Char because she lived in the parsonage attached to the church that allowed us to stay there all summer. And though she lived in the parsonage, she wasn't the pastor. She was actually the person who ran their food pantry. You see, this church had sort of fallen on difficult times. And so they had maybe 10 or 15 people every Sunday. They would pay someone just to come in and preach. Um, but they had always been a community church, a church that responded to the needs of the neighborhood. And so their church would come alive on Wednesdays when they hosted their food pantry. And this was obvious. When you walked in the front door of this church to their fellowship hall, you would see sort of a U-shape of tables all around the fellowship hall and sort of some tables down the middle set up exactly like a grocery store. 
There were six industrial freezers in the back and I would come to learn all summer that they had all been donated and each had maybe more quirks than the last. You'd close them with duct tape and have to kick them sometimes to keep them running. And Char told me when I met her that they ran the food pantry on Wednesdays, they'd set up on Tuesdays, but the rest of the week she was a full-time grandma. And I learned pretty quickly that being a full-time grandma to Char meant something different uh, than it did to me. Because every single day she would walk through the not open pantry with someone who needed food. Maybe they worked um, on Wednesdays and they lived in the neighborhood, they weren't able to come. Maybe a different pantry had turned them away, or maybe someone had knocked on her door at 11 p.m. because they just needed a warm space to sober up. And so every time someone came to her needing food, Char would feed them. She would walk them around, giving them milk and bread and the sustenance they needed to keep going. And when our usual food deliveries canceled on us one week, so on Tuesday it looked like we wouldn't have any food, Char called every restaurant and grocery store within 10 miles to scrounge up enough for her people. And when the industrial-sized freezer full of raw chicken stopped working on the hottest day of the year, well, Char swore, and then she prayed, and then she conned some of the people across the street and myself into cleaning the rotted raw chicken out of the freezer, fixing the cooling mechanism, all while she was on the phone getting more protein for her people that week. And when I was having a particularly bad day, she brought me a blooming onion. You know, the battered and deep fried delicious treat I've only ever had at Outback Steakhouse? Well, Char makes them when people are having bad days because that's how she shows her love. She feeds people. And when it became clear that our church was not going to stay open because of its financial situation, Char threw a block party, calling local musicians, cooking the Mexican food we sold herself to gain enough money to keep the church open and keep feeding people. Char feeds people. It is what she does, and she cannot do it without extreme persistence and unprecedented amounts of prayer. She feeds people, and she has never done it alone. Just like the Canaanite woman, she refuses to believe that God intends there to be hungry bellies in our world, and so she fights to make it different. Biblical scholar Mitzi Smith writes that if nothing else, this story provide, proves that we should never underestimate the power of a persistent woman and the God in whom she believes. I have found this to be true, and I trust that you will as well. So as people of faith this morning, we respond to our text by asking the question, who needs mercy? Who needs God's compassion and divine love? And we remember that with persistence and with faith, it will come. Amen.